which member left a demanding corporate career and moved to another continent to spend more time with family? Find out by going to www.bookinterrupted.com forward slash members and get to know us a little more. Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. Welcome to our interview with Karma Brown, who is the writer of The 4% Fix. What else have I said that I'm never going to do? Like skydiving, for example. What do I want yeah. to think about today? Marsupials? What an interesting thing. Right? Like just whatever. Bus monitor belt, like with so much pride. I love buckling it on. It was like an encouraging friend trying to give you that advice. So, so I was like, yeah. if I can get up and just watch TV, then okay. <laughs> so why can't you? All those things I used to do creatively just for me. I was like, oh, I actually not haven't been doing those at all. Yeah. So now you've like inspired me. I, I use a chocolate cake analogy in the book because I love chocolate cake. And I think a lot of people do. It can be vanilla cake. It can be a pie. It doesn't matter. No, sometimes you just don't. And that's okay. Probably a few months later, she sent me a note and she was like, okay, it works. I've been getting up <laughs> early. What do we think about this Roe v. Wade situation? Um, that to be happening, like going back in time, you know? Yeah, I know. Like we're going this back is a big time. deal. You ready, guys? Let's do this. Express yourself. Share the wealth. Hold on to your bookmarks. We're off the shelf. Express yourself. It's good for your health. Book Interrupted is off the shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions the following episode is off the shelf brought to you by book interrupted thing welcome to our interview with karma brown who is the writer of the four percent fix which we read last season no when did we read that last last season season uh, and was fan Lindsay's pick so welcome karma thank you so much for having me Nice to see you. Nice to hear you. Thank you How so much you? for coming on the show. Of course, you're welcome. It's so great to put a face to the to I was the thinking voice. the same thing because when yeah. you read a book, you put a voice to it. You know, yes, usually I know. it's my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, no, I know. And it's funny. I have a lot of friends who have told me after they've read the book that they can hear me, you know, on their shoulder through the book, saying all those things and telling the story. So I did try very hard to just keep it in my voice, to keep it authentic. And I'm glad that that came through, at least for some of them. And if it didn't, then those ones tell me anything. (laughs) And yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know you, but that was one of the things I really liked about the book was for lack of a better word, how conversational it was. Like it felt like I was listening to a person talk to me. I wasn't just like reading a instruction manual or whatever. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that because that was very much the point. I don't typically write nonfiction. I am a journalist, and so I have done a lot of nonfiction in that format, but never in a book format. And I actually swore up and down I would never write a nonfiction book. (laughs) And it's funny, the things that you swear you will never do, and then you end up doing them, and then you think, "Uh uh-oh. What else have I said that I'm never going to do? Like skydiving, for example. Somehow I see maybe when I'm 75, I'm jumping out of a plane. But so it was a departure for me because I've done fiction mostly. And I have a voice in fiction as well. If you've read one of my books, you likely will hear my voice, even if the book is very different. My fiction voice has, you know, a pattern to it and it can be recognized. So nonfiction you know, I wasn't sure what my nonfiction voice was. You know, I said to my editor, I'd like it to be slightly bossy, but also helpful or encouraging, you know, just that authentic, honest voice, like, let's all try our best. But then also a little bossy, like, but you have to actually try your best. So that was what I was trying to <laughs> to balance as I was writing it. Well, it's funny because as Kim was saying her piece, I was thinking it wasn't only a person telling you this or sitting beside you or whatever. It was like an encouraging friend trying to give you that advice. So yeah, that's how I with felt with bossy. I mean, I'm a little bossy. My husband and I were just <laughs> discussing this the other night about how that's probably the thing about me that has been true my entire life. And 
I know a lot of people don't like using the term bossy because, you know, you want to call women and girls assertive and that's fine, but it, it all really means the same thing. And so for me, you know, I was a bus monitor and I wore that orange bus monitor belt like with so much pride I loved <laughs> buckling it on this was in like the early 1980s because I'm you know I'm getting up there but I just have always liked sort of telling people what to do and well, uh, I, I think you've fine-tuned the art of it because <laughs> if bossy has negative connotations I didn't feel any of that. You got the balance down. You were informed. Your bossiness was justified, I guess, right? You like weren't saying, you know, opinions. Yeah. You were like, here's the what the research says and do it if you yeah. want or not. Right. You or know, here's, like, you know, what's worked for me. A lot of it is just, well, this is what I do. This is what I have tried. This is why it works for me. You can try it rip off of it, find a way to do something like that, you know, use it as some inspiration for what will work for you. But one of the things about this book that comes up so often is that people can't wake up early, you know, because the premise of this whole book is to find that hour in your day that you can have just for yourself to do something you've always wanted to do, but didn't think you'd have the time for not related to work, not related to productivity, you know, just something that you're curious about, interested about. And a lot of people swear up and down the morning will never, ever work for them. And so it's like, great. Okay. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It works for all sorts of reasons and it works well for me, but it might be 11 PM, you know, when that's when you have your time to focus on yourself. So not fan Lindsay is one of those people. And not that she's not a fan. She's just no. not fan <laughs> Not Lindsay. a morning person. I am <laughs> but not she's got a person. job that goes into the night. Yeah, oh. I work at a restaurant. So like last night I worked till maybe almost 1.30 in the morning. So by the time yeah. I get home, like, I think I woke for up sure. at 10 a.m. And that was early for me. I was like, great, I got up at 10 a.m. I feel so good about myself. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. oh my gosh, you've been up since five hours. <laughs> I know, but I go to bed really early. I go to bed at nine o'clock or, I mean, I'm not always asleep by nine, but I am always in bed by nine. And if I have to do anything that takes me out of that schedule, I am not a happy person. I just, I cannot operate anymore in the evening. So that's why for me, the morning at 5am, I'm like, I feel great. You know, I have coffee and I have time and nobody else is awake. And you had enough sleep. I had enough sleep because I was asleep by 9.30 or 10. So it works. But I understand if your schedule is different, the point is not to sleep deprive yourself to get it done in the morning the point is just to find the time and to be consistent about it as much as you can yeah That's like the way me. that you described it with the 24-hour pie you yeah know, and make a slice specifically for you mm -hmm. yeah. I like the idea that it happens first right because you give away pie and by the end of the day you might not have a slice left for sure. Or whatever, right? But again, not everybody has the opportunity to take their slice right at the first moment no, of the day. But you take it out. I, I use a chocolate cake analogy in the book because I love chocolate cake. And I think a lot of people do. It can be vanilla cake. It can be a pie. It doesn't matter. But you take your slice <laughs> out. Even if you're taking it out in the morning and you cannot use it, you wrap it up in a Tupperware. Let's not use cellophane wrap. And then you put yeah. it in your fridge or on the counter for whenever with a sign, if you must. <laughs> and really, you know, that's the idea. I like the morning because then it's done and I mm -hmm. can do it in the morning and it works for me. And I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day or think about it or feel guilty that I didn't do that for myself that day. So the idea is just, if you can't do it then and you want to do this, then you have to find that time later and you have to make it as important as everything else you're doing. Mm -hmm. later is definitely hard because you're tired and there's always this moment yeah. where I'm like I should do this today so I have to do it tomorrow and I think to myself but what I really want to do is not that anything but mm -hmm. that <laughs> and you're like pause okay I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna go do that thing you go do it and you're like oh it didn't take as long as I thought it did but like there's and that it's that switch sometimes you're like mm. but sometimes the decision is I'm gonna do that tomorrow <laughs> right, for right. sure or you'll do something else instead. I mean yeah. I got this morning and I did not write anything I did not read anything I was on Twitter be feeling very angry about all kinds of things you mm. know like doing my rage mm. 
mm-hmm. deep dive in New York Times. And then I was playing this dots game that is this really weird random game that Instagram decided I needed. And I have become <laughs> obsessive about it. And it is my brain candy when I need to just completely disengage. And it's basically just putting a series of dots together in various levels. And I'm not really a games person, but somehow this has, <laughs> they got my number on this one. So, you know, sometimes you don't, you have every intention of doing the thing that you're committed to doing, but sometimes what you need is something else. It's not really about the productivity. If you are relatively consistent, the thing that you've decided you want to achieve, you will get there if you just keep it top of mind. But if you can't do it every day, it's okay. It's not an all or nothing idea or concept. It can't or be. shouldn't be. It, it can't, can't be, be, right? If you're a human no. yeah. and one time you do nothing and it's all or nothing, then you're done. It's it doesn't over. allow, you know what I mean? No. It doesn't allow for the... No, there's no flexibility in that right. and that doesn't work. I like that, that you actually mentioned that while you're writing your book, there was, I think a couple of weeks where you're like, I just being, I'm like a type A personality, high achieving, like I already did the thing where you wake up to get things done. But you saying those things, like it prevents you from feeling, oh, I didn't do it. So now I let myself down or I'm failing or whatever. It's like, no, sometimes you just don't. And that's okay. And that's still succeeding because you're giving yourself what you need to eventually do it again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's a lot like exercise, right? I mean, exercise is such an obvious one because everyone has some kind of relationship with exercise. Either they, it is a big part of their life because it provides a lot of benefits or it's something that they really think that they want to do and have not been able to integrate it into a habit. But it's the same idea. If you committed to doing something like getting up and walking every morning before your day begins, then if you don't do it, it's not like you just never get up and walk again. If you can't do it for a week, for whatever reason, it's not like, oh, well, I guess I'm never walking. I'm never exercising. (laughs) Yeah, it's over. I read something this morning that was talking about how stress ages your immune system. And, you know, so this is the problem with having an open-ended 5 a.m. my cake time, because then you end up in places you shouldn't be, which then just stress you out further because, Mm -hmm. you know, stress ages your immune system, which is bad. But then you stress about the stress of your immune system. And then it's this, you know, how do you get out of that? So it's a perpetual motion machine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I try to kind of, you know, only give myself so many days where I am just freewheeling it through the internet, because it can be a bad place. Mm -hmm. But every now and again, it comes down to balance. Yeah, that's just it. Mm -hmm. And balance is so hard. I'm really quite terrible at it, to be honest. I mean, I, I try very hard. And I do all these things to try to find as much balance as I can. And some days are great. And some days are not. And so I think now, you know, at this stage of my life, that is the thing that I can count on the most. You know, I try my best every day and some days it works really well and other days it doesn't, but you don't stop trying. You know, that was sort of the point of the book. You just don't stop trying if it's important to you. And if it's not important to you, then don't worry about it. Yeah, (laughs) Don't worry. Forget about it. The other thing that I thought was really endearing about your writing was your sense of humor. And I was really skeptical because I knew a little bit and I was like this book tells me to get up at five I know and then though you did the exact thing I thought you would do in my worst case scenario which was right away be like now get up at five but then on the next page you're like just kidding and then you went on right and I was like okay we're good now like this is (laughs) she won me over she did it Yeah, I don't feel like I can do justice with my explanation, but that was so meaningful for me that I Good. was a 5% fixer from then on. Yeah. Like, she actually did it. You were like, at the beginning, you were like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do no. it. And Those are my favorite bet. people. And it was like a turnaround. You're like, actually, just coffee in the morning? Yeah, I'll I do know. that. I can do that. Yeah, you made it so digestible, so doable. Oh, but, good. Thank yeah. you. I have an author friend who was telling me she would never, ever, ever do it. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever. <laughs> And I said, that's fine. It's okay. I mean, as I say in the book, you're a grown up, and being a grown up means you get to decide how you spend your time and what you do for the most part. And then, probably a few months later, she sent me a note and she was like, okay, it works. I've been getting up <laughs> early and I'm getting so much done and I'm really, you know, getting where I need to be with this. And I was like, okay, see, I mean, I, don't, I never say I told you so, but 
But in your head, you did. Inside, <laughs> you're like, but I could have. <laughs> I, I enjoy the people who are just so adamant that there's absolutely no way. And often, you know, you're seeking something and you're resisting it because it feels impossible. But if you actually sit down and look at your day and look at your schedule and look where you can find that time, and maybe it's not an hour, maybe it's 15 minutes, it is there. In almost everyone's life, it is there. You may make different choices about how you spend that time, like me with my dots or, you know, the deep dive (laughs) on Roe v. Wade, but it's there for you to use it however you choose. So I do appreciate the fact my husband read the book and all of a sudden he stopped and he's like, you're actually pretty funny. (laughs) We've been married (laughs) for the first 16 years. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You just simplified it. And then I was also thinking like, it's kind of funny because it's not rocket science, right? If you want to get up at five, make sure you go to bed earlier. Like so many people are the reason that they're not getting up at five is because they're going to bed at midnight and they're so tired. Right. And you're like, but try. And I love that. You're like, if it's not an hour, go 15 minutes. That's how I started. I was like, I'll go to bed 15 minutes earlier. And I'll wake up 15 minutes earlier and see what that feels like. And then it was okay. And the proof is in the pudding and you make Mm -hmm. it, the pudding so tasty that you can't (laughs) not have a bite. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it goes through, there are ebbs and flows in this. Like, as I said in the book, you know, there are points that I didn't do the thing that I don't, I do not set an alarm. And unless I really, really have to be up you know, at that specific time, I just never even set an emergency alarm. And so sometimes I'll get up at four and sometimes I will get up at six and it's always early. Um, That doesn't feel early to me anymore. Like three o'clock feels early now. And that happens sometimes because of the stage and age I am at. Sleeping is a weird thing now, but getting up early is the thing that now is just a habit for me. And uh, because I don't have to set the alarm, I just don't have any angst around it. But sometimes I get up at six and I don't do the thing that I was supposed to do right away and everything is fine. And I can get back into it when I need to, when I feel ready to do it. It just doesn't have to be this everyday thing. It may be more like seasons, you know, you, you are an early riser for a season because that works in your life. And then you take a season off and then you come back to it with a a different project or a different goal in mind the next time you're able to make that work. I do think that once you've done it and you've had some success or you feel that enjoyment of having that time to yourself, whatever it is, whatever you're choosing to do with that, it's kind of hard to not think about it again and to not want to do it again, even if you need to take a break. I also found while I was reading the book, I examined how I was using my evening, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, I'd be in my bed, but then all the way until 11, I'm looking at my phone or looking at the news, playing a game or whatever. And so then it was like, okay, well, how do I actually want to maximize my time? I'm going to have way more fun doing the thing I want to do in the morning than spending my time on my phone in the evening. Yeah. And for some people, they may want to sit on their phone in the evening. Mm -hmm. Like I can't do anything at night anymore. So we watch a show. Uh, I mean, that's really what happens before we go to bed. We have a 14 year old. So we are often kicked out of the main living room. And then we are in our bedroom. This is what happens with a teenager. It's like everything (laughs) turns upside down in your life. You know, that works for me now. And I know that I will feel good and refreshed most of the time, right in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I could stay up probably until 11 or 12 doing nothing. I probably could. To me, that is not... That's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to use my time and my day. And so I had the same experience as Lindsay, where I examined my time, realized my evening Mm -hmm. time that was taking me to like 11 o'clock at night. Mine was just TV. And I thought that I really liked it. And I still kind of do think that like for some good shows or whatever, but like, even right now, I'm just going to go to bed. I think with children, sometimes this is how I developed this habit in the first place. You have a child. And when they're in those early stages, like toddler, even up to right now, he, my son is eight. So it's a little bit different now, but yeah. I developed this habit where I don't have any time that's mine while he is awake for sure. And so when he goes to bed, I want to get all my time. And so yeah. that's why that time would get extended, but that time would be useless. Cause I'm like, I just want to literally do, it turns out like nothing. I just yeah. want to have Shut no, down. yes, for sure. Yeah. And so yeah. that was okay. And just like you're speaking, like seasons, whatever. But then now 
it's not as demanding. I do have my time also in the day while he's also awake. And so I don't feel as compelled to be a glutton on this, you know, nothingness. TV did bring me joy. Like it was good. And it's weird now how without any conscious attempt to have that experience change, it still has changed. Because mm-hmm. I'm realizing, even as I say this right now, it's because I've got some time back. I don't feel mm-hmm. the need to like just indulge a hundred percent in this thing. Like I get to watch TV, we watch some of the same shows now. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's interesting that you say that, Kim, because I was going to kind of say the same thing. So Sarah and I are sisters. And so I'm the same as her, where when I want to do something, but like, well, I'm just going to get up at five o'clock and I'm going to train for this or whatever. And we've yeah. been doing this. we've done stuff together extreme like when we used to live together when we were younger and stuff I like to do a lot of things I start a lot of projects but then I have kids and that stops because like Kim was saying my kids are awake maybe a half hour or hour less than I need sleep so there's not a lot of time in the day they might get Mm -hmm. up at 5 a.m right like before I went like you know oh mine did yeah, and, uh, too. and so it's kind of like I'm at this space where I just want to shut off, right? So when I do get up before them, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to be very quiet and just sit here <laughs> and stare at the room and think about things without interruption. Like, what do I want yeah. to think about today? Marsupials? What an interesting thing, <laughs> right? Like, just yes. whatever, just like anything. And it's just interesting. We're trying to get my oldest to understand my bucket's empty sometimes and I need Mm. just time for me or I need adult time. It's just like she needs kids time, but it's it's kind of a hard road. My youngest daughter understands it. She's like, oh, your bucket's empty. I'll just go play by myself. Okay, (laughs) you get it. But my oldest one's like, but I need you. I want my free time. I want to spend with you and suck Mm -hmm. all your energy. Well, the good news, I don't know if anyone else here has a teenager, but the good news is that somewhere around 12 per girl, I would say that's, I have a girl, so I can only speak about that, but they actually don't want to spend time with you. (laughs) And so you look for many opportunities to spend time with them. And it is few and far between. And then you get more time back. I mean, I have so much time back now. My day looks actually quite different than it used to. I would do that as well, where I would get up early just to have a quiet coffee and not have to reheat it 10 times in the microwave. (laughs) You know, like it's very odd how all of a sudden it just shifts. And then you're like, oh, okay, now I have more time to breathe and to think about the things I want to do. I have so much more time to spend with my husband. We spend so much time together with the dog. And then our our kid is basically living our own life (laughs) over here, (laughs) doing other things. So, you know, it does, that's what I mean about the seasons too, right? It changes. But when Bridgerton came out, for example, I can't remember, was that 2020? It was sometime in 2020 Bridgerton came out. I used my 5am time to binge watch that show because I do love TV. It's sort of connected to what I do with writing and I love to see how stories are put together so I can justify it sometimes if I feel the need to do that with my type A self but you know that's how I used my 5am time for like a week that's how I talked myself into trying the 4% fix I was like if I can get up and just watch tv then okay (laughs) <laughs> but why can't you? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's exactly it. You can use that time for whatever you want. And it does not have to be some earnest thing. Like, it does not have to be anything that other people will go, ooh, that's so exciting that you're training for a marathon or you're going to write a novel mm-hmm. or you're going to learn a new language. Like, it doesn't have to be anything like that. It's just something for you. Yeah, yeah. whatever it is that floats your boat. But for those of you with young kids, it's coming and then it will just be there. And then you'll be like my husband, always trying to find times for like hugs. And Oh, I guess maybe we'll see her for five minutes today. Some days it's like that because there's to the room and then it's downstairs for dinner, but then it's back up to the room. And then we go to our room and, you know, it's, it's just so different, but it will change. Yeah. I live in like a constant knowing it's going to change. So wanting to spend all the time and then also being like, oh, this is too much time. I have four things I need to do that require autonomy. But then like, oh, but then I'll be so sad in four years. Like (laughs) I just keep on going back and forth. And it's it's weird too, because you get used to the change of suddenly having all this time back to yourself. And then all of a sudden there's a conversation happening and you're like, oh, oh, wait, this is a thing I need to be present for. And so then you're so used to these really strange interactions that just feel, you know, it's like, hey, hey, 
Oh, okay. And then there's some few texts and then that's like the extent of your entire interaction for the day. But then there's a meaningful conversation and you have to remember, right, I have to go like back. Like switch back into parenting. Yeah, like, oh, just, I need to give you some guidance here. Yeah, like, oh, this is happening. Like I have to, you know, pay attention now and really listen to what's Bridgerton. being said. <laughs> just getting steamy. What's happening? But you know, it's also about, I think if you have kids, it's also about training them and the understanding. And some of them, like Meredith is saying, they get it easier and others don't. But you know, my daughter has, I have always been a writer through her entire life. And I was doing magazines when she was little. And they are on tight deadlines. And so there would just be times where it was, hey, you're going to make a mess. I mean, I tell the story in the book about the dog being covered in Vaseline, (laughs) you know, like that kind of stuff just happens. But then it also becomes easier to say, I'm going to do this thing and I need you to not interrupt me, right? If you need something, if it's an emergency, like if the house is on fire or someone's in big trouble, obviously interrupt me. But otherwise Mm -hmm. you got to figure it out. So if that is part, even if it's, even if you want to sit and watch an hour of TV, they, it doesn't matter. They don't get to tell you that you can't do that because again, you're a grown up and you get to decide, even if you don't always feel like you do because your kids are in charge. I mean, they are, but <laughs> try to instill that idea and then role model it for them too, so that they can understand why you're doing that, why it's important, why you need that, because they will also later be in a place where they need to understand that for themselves. Totally. Like it's boundaries. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Some kids will be like, you'll be like, here's the boundary. And they're like, okay. And other ones would be like, this is the boundary. Is it here? Can I just like, like, no, it's here. It's here. Yeah. It's here. It's here. Like, you know, that's my oldest. We have to set the boundary with her it's, it's every day. Every day. every day is the boundary. It's been every day for six and a half years. How old is she? Your oldest one? Half. Oh, yeah. 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 Six is hard, though. I have three kids. Two of mine have reached six, and six is just exhausting. But you know, it she's so much better. Yes, eight is yeah. great. Yeah. Eight I love eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my 10 year old is starting to be like the you're on the cusp. Right. She loves spending time with me, and then doesn't want me to touch her. She's just, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're grumpy. She's like, don't, don't leave me alone. And I'm like, come on. This is what they're supposed to do. That is the progression. They are yeah. meant to be figuring out how to live their own lives and do their own things and make their own choices. And so that's, we are really just there to make sure that they, you know, kind of have a roof them. and make, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. And face it. They can face it when they get there. And for people, I don't know, does anyone here not have kids? Lindsay. Okay. So here's the thing about not having kids with the 4% fix, because what I have found is that a lot of people who do not have children, because children are the ultimate excuse to get out of things and to not work late and to not be able to work on weekends. And so, you know, really those of us who have kids, we use our kids to our detriment disadvantage detriment and advantage yeah yeah depending but the thing is if you don't have kids you tend to your work hours tend to expand past the normal hours that you would be working like a more nine to five or on a school day kind of schedule and then it becomes hard to find time for yourself because you're always working or you know you you just have a different kind of schedule and so you have to push work away a little bit work is your kid find that time (laughs) you totally pinned her because she is such a worker if she's not working she's studying and doing school and like bettering herself that would have been me and I guarantee you when mine goes off I hope I'm retired by then because or I'm writing like one book every couple of years because I will turn in to a workaholic it will fill up because I like what I do also and so it would just Mm -hmm. fill up all my time When I read the book, I wasn't working as much because I think it was was during the pandemic or it was something. So then I was like, I have a ton of time to do all the creative projects I want. I'm always like, I'm studying something or I'm taking some class or I'm, I don't know, painting something or writing a book or like I do everything. And then I started a job in which I work 55 hour weeks right now Mm -hmm. and they're late hours and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, we're talking. I'm like, I should probably reread the book. I was like, actually, now that I think about it, all those things that I used to do, I mean, I still study and I just pass something and whatever, but all those things I used to do creatively just for me 
I was like, oh, I actually haven't been doing those at all. Yeah. So now you've inspired me to be like, I should probably re- rethink that because it's <laughs> yeah, because it, your seasons have changed too. I mean, when the COVID first hit, and I was writing a ton, but it wasn't because I had all this time and energy and sudden creativity with everything being locked down. I had a house that was used to having on my own that I could write in every day, me and the dog. And then my husband was working from home. My kid was at home doing school. And so it completely just screwed everything up. And people were like, oh, you must just be, you know, whipping through books. And I would see other authors who were like, oh, I'm on my like sixth book of the of pandemic. I can't believe it. It's like, <laughs> no, there is no more time. You know, it's not like this sudden creative gift to have the whole world shut down. It was really challenging. And so I had to actually look at how I was managing the flow of my day too, because I had so much work and very little focus time because there was so much going on in my space. And for what I do, I need focus time. I need it to be. And then it was like, I could hear my husband's conference calls. And now it's a little bit easier because school is back and, you know, we've adjusted to our, the new normal a little more, but you do have to constantly be evaluating. I really miss doing those creative things just for myself. So I have to find at least a little bit of time that I can get them back in so that I don't completely lose the plot at some point, which is inevitable if you work way too much and you don't take any time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think when you don't have kids, people just assume you have nothing but time for yourself because anytime you're not working, it's your own time. And that's true, but you will fill it because that's what we do. We just fill time. Yeah. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book Interrupted. Not too many interruptions these days, I'm happy to report. Or maybe I'm just getting better at blocking out things. (laughs) I would like to believe so. But I don't think that that is the case. Perhaps what I am being more distracted by or where the I've been noticing the interruptions have been coming from lately are inside my brain. I notice that when I'm uh, in crunch time, like when there's a really big item on the to-do list, typically related to work or school, that all I need is to focus and get the thing done. And yet that's the cue for my brain to be like, but what about this? I would like to interrupt you again with another random thought. And it's getting a bit ridiculous to the point that I just felt I had to do a recording of this interruption because it was, I just caught myself doing it for the 100th time when I'm trying to get this one thing done. But I just find that amusing. I mean, if you're not laughing, you're crying. So it's kind of nice to be laughing about this, although I must admit, it is quite frustrating having like random songs and like ideas for choreography and like thinking about, oh, that would be a nice shamanic journey, like completely out of like anything and everything. <laughs> oh, but alas, it never ceases to be entertaining. Book Interrupted. I have one other thing that my favorite thing of the book is the procrastinating. I have to say <laughs> that word. <laughs> I love it so yeah. much. I think I still use that word all the time and I'll do it for sure. And I know Sarah just loves to bake. So she just does it. But I always, if I'm trying to accomplish something, I'm like, oh no, I should bake something now and like go in the kitchen. <laughs> my family does not even appreciate the muffins and the loaves and all the things I the make loaves. now because <laughs> it's just constant. Like there is endlessly muffins or a loaf of some kind in my kitchen because of the procrastinating. I didn't make up that term. There are lots of people procrastinating on Instagram if you want to, you know, just go have a if look. you at want what... to procrastinate by looking up procrastinating, yeah. it's there. <laughs> what should I make today? Yes. No, I'm happy. There are more procrastinators. It's a good time. But it's not like baking necessarily, but I like to try to make things from scratch. They'll be like, maybe I could make that. Baking is make... tricky to do that. You do need yeah. to typically follow a recipe with baking that's fairly yeah. precise, but... My next thing, I think I'm going to try to make oat milk, which is hard because it can be slimy. It's not hard. 
but you can get like uh, amylase. I want to do it with amylase. Have you done it with amylase? I'm going to get some from the wine store that they use for gluten-free beer. And then it'll make it like a little bit sweeter and not slimy. And you don't have to add any sugar. You can just do oats, water, salt, amylase. So that's my like next project. This sounds a lot like the sourdough baking of 2020 where I did not get into that. I love to bake. I did not bake one loaf of bread because it's not my thing. And I wasn't interested in keeping the starter alive yeah yeah i won't do this i killed my starter everybody told me it could not be done and i was like oh i did it <laughs> that's how you operate <laughs> yeah i just can't feed it every day that's not me like doing right. it every day it's, it's like not my personality task. i need it to be over in maximum three hours like even just yeah. making regular bread i'm like i'm not waiting for four hours while it sits on the i counter. don't make bread i find <laughs> it very tedious yeah, and same. boring and yes Me fresh too. bread with butter is delicious but i know a lot of great bakeries totally and I just go pop out <laughs> and get the bread there but you know muffins loaves oh my god i make so many loaves you have no idea how many loaves I make. <laughs> banana <laughs> bread loaves and yes banana breads pumpkin zucchini blueberry lemon yeah i want your loaves (laughs) well maybe i could start just wrapping them up and shipping them it's one thing i make when people are like sick or having surgery or i always make banana loaves and drop them off it's like (laughs) and then it's you know it's like the procrastinate baking that has a good good yeah like a justification okay yeah what is your favorite rhubarb recipe because I got mm. rhubarb in our farm box I'm not really a baker I was like oh, oh I no I gave some of it's it away my... I was like I don't know what to do so I started giving it to people okay but I was Smitten maybe you should try it kitchen mm-hmm. do you know Smitten Kitchen no no what oh. Deb Pullman okay she's amazing Smitten right. Kitchen she's in New York and she would cook and bake out of this tiny apartment in Manhattan with her two kids and her husband and so she has a delicious rhubarb loaf recipe. I like my rhubarb in pies the best, but rhubarb is probably one of my favorite things in the whole world. So I could go on and on. I won't, but I like rhubarb pie, rhubarb loaf, rhubarb muffins. I like stewed rhubarb on top of vanilla ice cream with a little vanilla, cinnamon, sugar. Do you do any like savory rhubarb dishes? I think I haven't looked it up, but I was thinking maybe there's like a savory rhubarb. Maybe I like my rhubarb you know, sweet. Like I like my rhubarb sweet. Because it's, it's be... tart and it goes so beautifully with a vanilla ice cream or 100%. a vanilla loaf that has rhubarb in it. It's like that tart meat sweet. Mm. Oh God. No, I'm so I'm trying to grow rhubarb right now. I'm oh terrible. my God. I have a rhubarb in my yard that I hate because I don't Why? usually bake because it's oh, a prehistoric out of and control. And it's probably huge. It is I'm so, so jealous. Well, listen, so we put, my husband has like this truck topper so he leaned it up against the fence and the rhubarb's underneath it so it's been deprived of light and it's grown like this giant shaft to the sky now (laughs) so that it can continue to like propagate so I mean if anyone needs rhubarb I have enough to feed the world it reminds me of Little Shop of Horrors (laughs) Kim's Mm. in the Okanagan though she can basically grow anything right Right? yeah okay I want a new topic no segue and it's serious Ooh, too yeah. but you oh. mentioned it earlier karma and i do think off. it's yeah. important what do we think about this roe v wade situation um, i think we should talk about it. i mean i'm probably confident to guess that we're all appalled but yeah how did um, that happen <laughs> i actually read this long article today in the new york times that was exactly that how did this happen and it laid out exactly how this happened and it really started like 12 years ago with the Tea Party and a variety of Republican initiatives and Republicans getting into certain positions of power and then being able to stack the Supreme Court bench, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because obviously this is the US and you know I don't believe that the things that happen there do not affect us here. I think that is just the most ridiculous statement to say, well, you live in Canada, so what are you even worried about? because it can happen here. It may not look exactly like that. It likely won't because we have a much more solid abortion rights situation here in Canada. I think the support is 80% or something in our country, but there are plenty of people who are trying to change that here and want to see more restrictions. And so what I'm going to do personally is try to figure out how I can help here to make sure that 
you know, there are communities that have no access to abortion that have really limited access in our own country. And so I haven't figured it out yet because, you know, it, <laughs> it's just something that you start thinking about and you're like, well, how can I make the most impact outside of writing a check? The book I just wrote, my fiction is feminist and a lot of it deals with reproductive health and all sorts of women's issues and feels impossible that this is happening. Uh, I was just writing about Roe v. Wade in my novel and I was just thinking like, how is this happening that 50 years of precedent and women are losing rights? So, I mean, I'm like heartbroken for them and furious and And it makes it hard for me to take it serious. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so outrageous. I know. And it's just the beginning. That's the problem. It is not going to just be this. And it's not just abortion rights. It's privacy, which then is the precedent in all these other cases for same-sex marriage, contraception. So they're in for a wild ride. And I think that, you know, we can just try to do what we can to keep it anything even close to that from happening here yeah it's and I was talking to my daughter about it yesterday and trying to explain you know she's wise and she's heard me talk about feminist issues a lot you know even the other day I was saying I wish you would actually just clean up things more and she was like wow as a feminist (laughs) because I'm a girl you shouldn't really be pushing that on me and I was like <laughs> like she had my number because it's true I worry about we should I get dad it. involved like, with this <laughs> right like you know you have to be able to clean up your space but I also think that you don't want to domesticate your girls to believe that they are the ones who need to be responsible for that simply because they're female so you know it's just such a like my daughter's old enough that these kinds of things, uh, she understands them, they're relevant, they, they're going to be relevant soon enough, you know, at 14. But it's a hard conversation to explain. She was just like, I don't understand how this happened. And then she was like, I can't buy it and fix it. <laughs> it's just not how it works. You know, nobody can fix it now. Yeah. Now they had an opportunity to Biden actually could have, right. Fixed it, and but... they didn't take that opportunity. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of suffering that is going to happen. And it's going to affect people who don't have resources way more than people who do. So it's just going to create mm-hmm. a greater divide in kind of the have and have nots as well. It's just oh, yeah. the beginning. It's just the beginning of the rights that are, that could potentially be taken away over the next how many years. Yeah, I just don't even know. And thing is, like in the States, support for abortion rights is actually really high Very amongst high. the population. It's just these Republicans in power wanted something else. It's just like another example of the power dynamics there. The people who have the power can affect so many people. It's not really a democracy because the majority of the people want one thing and the people who are in power are deciding a different thing for their own agenda, whatever, whatever that agenda is, whether it is just kind of a religious thing, or if it goes beyond that, more of a controlling the populist type thing. It sounds like it's more of a political thing than even a religious thing at Mm -hmm. at this stage, but, and it will predominantly affect non-white women, of course. And, you know, people who don't have privilege, don't have access. And anyway, it is a, it's a terrible thing. It's terrible thing as a woman and raising a woman and, it's unacceptable to me, actually, that our children could have fewer rights as women than we do now. And it's hard to, like, I have two girls and you want to raise them to believe that they have as much worth as anybody else. And it, being a woman does not make them less worthy of anything. And at the same time, our world is giving them a different message. And trying to explain that to them without instilling that unconscious bias that, in fact, they are lesser because they were born female, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you can tell them and you can try to teach them to have self-worth. And at the same time, they are still going to have to feel that self-worth in opposition to what is happening around them. It's just so much harder to... I don't know. And we need not just for the girls, but then the boys. I know. Try to instill into your boys. You know, women are in and men are inside. We're we're all humans. We're the same in a way. And at the same time, they're saying, well, but not really, because you guys have less rights value than us. Yes, value. And I see that in our media and the the stories, and not just stories, but the political landscape and 
And it's just, what a, just a shit thing (laughs) that to be happening, like going back in time, you know, yeah, I know this is a big deal, 50 years of precedent, Mm -hmm. just like a race like that. So that's why, you know, when people are like, it won't happen here. It's like, well, no, that's not necessarily true. You know, it may not look exactly like that, but I don't think you can take those sorts of things for granted. But I do hope this next generation that's coming up is, you know, they just won't take it the same way. It won't even be a question as to let's think about what our worth is comparing our genders, comparing the colors of our skin. It just isn't going to be a thing that they discuss. They will have more important and different issues to talk about. And that will just be settled. You know, the boys become allies for the young women and then the people of color and the indigenous populations have an opportunity to her voice and they get their platforms. And it's just, you know, we have like, we have a lot of work to do here for sure. So all eyes are focused on the States, but I mean, there are so many things not working well in Canada and, you know, it's hard to know how to fix it. it. I spend a lot of time trying to think about what I can do again, outside of writing a check or having those discussions and looking for opportunities with platforms, like ensuring if I'm invited to speak somewhere as an author, that it is not an all white panel or it is not, you know, there's just lots of little things that you can try to do, but it's still just, you know, it feels like such a huge overwhelming issue to to tackle. I've been thinking about this lately, you know, there's all this outrage and, you know, when Roe v. Wade happened so many years ago, protesting what was happening in the government, I think was different. And now we've got social media and there's, you know, political people like pay companies to go on social media, manipulate people's Mm -hmm. voting and stuff like there's all this, it's a whole other game. And the people who are in power are the ones with the money and the access and know how to manipulate the rest of us. And I don't know if the rest of us who want the changes know how to fight that yet, you know, and that's part of what the problem is. And I've been thinking about this lately until we figure that out, how do we stop all these terrible things from happening? And Mm -hmm. do the people with money, are they one step ahead? And are they going to remain one step ahead because they have access to, you know, all the resources. And I don't know, it all seems very big brother. Like it makes me think of Uh, uh, when I heard that my mind went to, uh, you know, that movie V for Vendetta. Where like, right? I was like, this is like V for Vendetta and everybody's just too (laughs) scared. But that's where it's going in a way. You know, that's fiction, but it's based on what could happen if uh, everybody- Well, yeah, based on someone's imagination of everything going completely sideways and turning upside down. But, you know, one of the things I read this morning when I was on my Twitter journey (laughs) uh, was talking about the things you can do and starting small. And it isn't about the big gestures and it was between two people who were having an argument. There was some dad who climbed a bridge to protest Roe v. Wade being overturned. And people were like, this is ridiculous. One climbing a bridge does nothing. And he got a lot of media attention for it, but it doesn't do anything, right? And the person who was arguing this was saying, real change happens in the small things, showing up at the places where the work is already being done because those organizations exist. So find those organizations in your community, show up, mop the floors, take out the garbage, do the coffee run, you know, help with printing the materials, help with the communication, like go in and figure out what are the small things you can do to help the organization that's already figured out some of that, how to be more effective, how to be more efficient don't go climb the bridge and make some big statement that goes in the news for one day. And then just, it doesn't mean anything. It's mm-hmm. performative. Right. So for me, that I, that was meaningful for me. And I thought, okay, that's then where I'll start. I'll figure out who's doing what and how I might be able to support to show up and support that. Yeah. So it's funny because, and this might be a stretch, but I can see this, that you just 4% fixed how to, get involved right because you just fully simplified it down it wasn't my idea i will it makes makes really good sense and it's similar to the four percent fix like if you can't do this just do that like 15 minutes whatever you know you may not know what to do but go to the places that do know what to do and help them keep on doing it yeah or do it better or you know like help them yeah yeah yeah. grease their wheels yeah exactly like don't reinvent it join the wheels that are already going Mm -hmm. and help over there so 
that felt meaningful for me. And then it's community level. And so you're supporting, you know, your own community. And if everyone does that, then you're investing overall impact is massive. Well, I didn't think it was possible, but you made me feel better. You know, I hope we, I hope there's lots of opportunities for people to have conversations like this, you know, in the future. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it on a show that is not about that today. Mm. It's, it's all related. It's we, relevant. Like it it's is. The, this show yeah. isn't about that, but this it's yeah. happening and we're doing this show yeah. right now. So it should be a little bit about that. We don't yeah. want to ignore it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Like we really appreciate the book you wrote and coming and giving us your advice. Carmel, what are you working on now or what can, what's your most current book or what's happening? I am working on a book called What Wild Women Do, which is coming out in 2023. And it's set in 1975 and 2023 though I may switch it to 2022 because of what's just happened Mm. because I don't know what's going to be happening next summer but it's about two women in those time periods set in the Adirondacks and there's a mystery at the center of the story that connects these two women together over the course of these 50 years and so it's similar to Recipe for a Perfect Wife if anyone has read that one that was my most recent fiction so that's what I'm doing Look thank forward you. to reading it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. It was so the nice getting to talk to you too. And pasta baking and everything in yeah. between. <laughs> right on. Yeah. It was Great. our pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, ladies. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com. Hi, this is Leah from Book Interrupted. We'd love to get to know all of our members way more. So write in to our fan episodes, comment, like, subscribe, the works, because we want to get to know you, hear what you think about our podcasts, and more. Go to www.bookinterrupted.com and please keep listening. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. You want to read Fun Home? They're like, she's going to read Fun Home. It's so good. So it's cool because it makes you, it like forces this higher level of attention. It's definitely a different like brain strategy. I feel a little embarrassed (laughs) even talking about the, and it's just a drawing. I mean, I don't have time to read 79 books during this book cycle, but I'm sure there's going to be some of those that I will read. Movies there are that don't have two women talking to each other about something other than a man. Banned books with wine. (laughs) Banned books with wine. Rebranding. We're rebranding. Book interrupted. Never forget, every child matters.